0: Welcome everyone to Leading Theologically, Lee henson Hasty here. I'm the Senior Director for Theological Education Funds Development at the Presbyterian Foundation and I'm here with um, one of my newest friends and one I hope will be a long time friend, uh, the Reverend Jermaine Ross Alam, uh, who is the Director of the Center uh, for the Repair of Historic Harms for the Presbyterian Mission Agency, I'm a member of um, the Twin Cities Area Presbytery uh, thanks for being here
1: with me, Jermaine. Thanks so much for the invitation. It's my pleasure.
0: I, I have been so looking forward to this. We we had a couple of conversations leading up to it, and I have pages of notes because <laughs> I learn something every time I, uh, I speak with you. And um, I think others, if you don't know Jermaine, uh, you're getting ready to meet uh, hopefully a friend, too. Uh, and uh, someone you will follow. And if you know him, you know, I know why you're here, um, because uh, he's such a gift to the church and the world um, and uh, has been in this position for, I just realized, a year this month. That's right. That's crazy. That's, right. <laughs> That's crazy. I'm uh, so grateful. Not that you haven't been at this work um, before. Uh, Germaine uh, was ordained in 2013 by the Twin Cities Area Presbytery um he's been a pastor he is a uh, public theologian he's a social ethicist he's a phd candidate at union theological seminary where i think you're primarily working with gary dorian among That's others right. um uh in his work there his uh, mdiv also uh his MDiv is actually from united uh, theological seminary uh where you recently were recognized with the spirit award for your innovative work that really embraces uh the work of United uh Seminary in Dayton. Correct. United Seminary Twin Cities. That's right. Twin Cities. (laughs) There's there's two of them. Um, And so we'll post some of those uh some of those links. You can learn more about him and the news announcements. Um we're here today uh to talk about um uh, a topic waking up to what God gave you and God has given Jermaine quite a bit um and he's a real gift but i'm i'm going to start with a question that howard thurman asked what is making you come alive or he mentored the reverend dr katie geneva cannon who said it a little different way let's ask ask it this way what is the work your soul must have
1: thank you for that question the work that my soul must have is work that is true work that is beautiful Work that is possible and work that is creative. Those seem to be the coordinates lately that allow me to realize that this is work for me when it's possible, when it's true and when it's beautiful and when it requires creativity.
0: That is uh what nobody's ever answered this question quite like this that is uh you see what i mean y'all um uh, you can take that one with you i feel like we could unpack each of those Uh, are there is there one of those that sort of centers you are I feel like there's something in that word beautiful uh that is speaks to the truth to the possibility to the creativity could you say a little more about work that is beautiful
1: sure sure (laughs) when i say the beautiful i mean so many things come to mind but for whatever reason, Katie Cannon happens to be on the brain. And she used the term unctuous as a theological value. And that's been an important value for me to keep in mind, because when we talk about justice, we often think about the blood, the sweat, the tears Mm. and the grunt work that's indispensable for the work of justice. And often we forget that the whole purpose of right relationships on our planet is to provide more opportunities for people to discover what is beautiful about themselves what's beautiful about the world and what's beautiful about what we can create together when we're no longer saddled with centuries and centuries and layers of denial and things that we pretend can't be solved but actually can be solved if we would just lean into the true and the possible and the creative and the beautiful But the beautiful part is what keeps me going when the ugliness of the necessary work is heavier than what you think you can bear. The beauty is what keeps you going and keeps you enjoying yourself and keeps you enjoying your others and leaning into the possibilities that will surface, if not only in your imagination, but in the real world once that work gets done. And I think it's always important to think about what can be done and to work as if the things that are necessary are also possible.
0: Amen. I saw in the middle of that, um, and I don't think it was a lag in the internet or anything like that, but I saw you take a deep breath, you know. I mean, because there is, uh, I mean, just, you know, waking up and looking at the news today, um, you know, the, um, there's a lot going on that can take your breath away and and make you think it's impossible so um yours your message is a word of hope uh truly uh because um there is there's there's a lot of um difficulty war destruction hate uh polarization i mean whether it's in washington or internationally um israel palestine right now of course um it 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 uh it takes a deep breath, and there's, there's so much to work on. Um, you, when you say the word beauty too, something that captured me in your story is some of your work uh, around um, music and literature and the arts in relation to theology and dance. Um, uh, and maybe you can say a little bit about that. Does that inform uh, how you think about beauty and, and some of this work as well?
1: So sorry, Lee, I'm having a little bit trouble hearing you. Okay. There's some noise suddenly. I don't know if it's my background or yours, but something tells me it might be mine.
0: (laughs) I think it may be, Um, but uh, can you hear me? Is
1: this better? A little bit better. Um, Is it possible to pause just for a moment?
0: Uh, Yeah, let's just pause.
1: (laughs) Sorry about that.
0: No. No. Friends, uh, you know, this is the way life uh, we work in. I think uh, uh, we'll be back in a moment. Let me share a little bit about more about Jermaine while he's working out uh, some of these difficulties um, in the background noise. He, uh, United Theological, he was mentored and advised by the Reverend Dr. Paul Capitz. He studied historical theology there, focused on the work um, of Martin Luther, John Calvin, Paul Tillich, Rudolf Bultmann, but also um, uh, Black theologian James Cone. Um, also the work of Katie Geneva Cannon uh, was very informative for him, as well as the constructive theology of Eliza Fernandez. Um, he, What I was just talking about, um, while in, in his uh, educational background, he took uh, an experimental seminar Uh, developing forms of comparative analysis and research methodologies across disciplines of music, visual arts, literature, investigating uses of classical tradition employed by large scale works of Duke Ellington, um, as well as um, uh, The Song of Solomon by Toni Morrison. Um, That's what I was talking about. This this work around uh, beauty, I, I would imagine is informed by your understanding of dance and music and literature and um, all of those things. So I just wondered if, if that's true.
1: It absolutely is. And thanks for that question. I understood in the middle of my doctoral work that if I was going to continue to investigate the social ecology of extralegal violence and the theological implications of reparations denial, that I needed to be spiritually and aesthetically balanced, not necessarily in how I discuss those particular things, but to be balanced enough to make sure that I'm always feeding the part of my spirit that craves to bring about structures that make beauty possible. And being able to study both theology and social ethics and also literature and music really put me in a position where I could discover, especially musicians, who had a hunger and a thirst for righteousness and justice, but also knew that it's necessary to do the hard work and to Mm -hmm. avoid the social justice fast food, but to actually create new structures of possibility through sound that would then set the stage for people to use their imaginations to raise questions like how can social structures be organized so that they tend to produce justice and righteousness in a way that sort of in a microcosm, if you will, artists and composers also use the structures of reality that are given, if you will, but to arrange them in such a way that more possibilities seem and appear as open to those of us, whether we do music or not, but those of us who do the work of of justice and other types of work that requires structure and focus and imagination with the given, but with an eye toward always trying to be open to what God is bringing into existence through our desire to be used by God and to bring about justice and beauty in the world.
0: Amen. Amen. That sounds like waking up to what God gave you. That sounds like, I mean, this work of possibility, which I I know I saw one of your comprehensive exams was about the concept of relations as social possibility. It sounds like this this waking up kind of thing is, is, is something where you start is that kind of groundedness um, place um, and and maybe that's an invitation to all of us to find, maybe not everybody finds it in the same place. They, they found it in different places, right? I'm guessing right. you're nodding. So I'm, right. uh, you're agreeing. So how do we find, I mean, it sounds like that feels like the start um, to waking up is finding that groundedness. H- how do we go about getting there? I know there are a lot of folks sort of wandering around, particularly kind of in the in the current state of affairs and trying to figure out. Uh, and the old ways of doing it seem like they don't work anymore. Mm-hmm.
1: I think we have to be true to what we know is true, mm-hmm. but not just be satisfied with believing the true thing in our minds and simply holding it up as an ideal. But I think we have to come to a conclusion that if something is necessary. And if it's right, then it absolutely must be possible. Mm -hmm. And so I think we have to be careful not to use ideals as an excuse to pursue something less than those ideals. Mm -hmm. But again, I think the creative works of artists and the creative works of scientists and people who do social justice, again, should always remind us that we have to use the passion of a scientist and the precision of an artist, as someone once put it, To pursue justice while always remembering that we should not consider what is right and what is necessary to somehow just be a merely impossible ideal that serves as a guiding light that moves us forward but we should look at the responsibilities that come with historical acts of discovery so to speak creativity and other human endeavors and always look and see what are the legacies of those activities if those legacies are mixed then don't look at the good part and then say the negative part was just the necessary sacrifice to bring about the good that we all enjoy. Mm. Because usually that has to do with making a decision about sacrificing people and sacrificing creation. And so rather than look at the best part of whatever tradition we happen to be discussing and say, wow, that's the greater good. It's too bad about these sacrifices. Mm -hmm. We have to look at all of the legacies of our creative activities and other activities that we've engaged in and actually ask, what was the harm? What were mistakes that were done? And what does faithfulness require us to do to bring about the most good right now or as soon as possible?
0: What guys, right there. There was a seminar, y'all, and some beginnings to some some work of repentance and repair and and healing and reconciliation. It feels like to me. So I want to just pause. That work of noticing the harm alongside the good, and not saying that the that the harm is about is just necessary uh, to get to the good. That's that's so important. Is that work? What is the context of that work in public in small groups in churches in individually all of the above what, what are some p- ways to to sort of start that or um, in, in in ways that can be productive and healthy and whole and and move toward new possibilities? I feel like that's is that kind of where your work centers <laughs> and maybe you can it help does.
1: It does. And I think the simplest way to describe a beginning point is simply to pay attention to Mm. what is happening and what has happened. Mm -hmm. When I was studying at the Schomburg Center a few years ago, doing some research about reparations, I came across some literature written by oddly Queen Mother Moore. And in that literature of hers that I discovered, she was complaining to a woman who was interviewing her And her complaint was that African-American men with decent education weren't using their intelligence to help the community get reparations. Hmm. And her complaint was that rather than help women like me, and she referred to herself as a half illiterate person, although she was very brilliant (laughs) in her own way. But she referred to herself as, an, as a half-illiterate person who's left on her own to do the work that more educated people should be doing rather than simply focusing on poverty programs. And that was a moment in my academic life where, I guess, in the moment I was in the pro- proverbial ivory tower. I mean, I had to make an appointment <laughs> <laughs> to get into a room where I could access these materials and read them. But at the same time, that was one of those key moments of, I call it, study prayer moment Mm. where I'm working, I'm studying. I wasn't trying to have an intimate moment with the ancestors or with the creator, but it was in that moment that I could hear simultaneously that she might as well have been speaking to me and that there was an opportunity for me in that moment to do some of the work that was not finished when Queen Audley Moore, you know, passed away, you know, some years ago. And I think the lesson that I learned there that I would be happy to share with other people is when God taps you on the shoulder mm. and puts something on your heart, don't be content to explain it away or to spiritualize it as just one more piece of data that you know about the past that you need to represent some kind of guilt or shame over, or that you have to acknowledge. Mm -hmm. If there's guilt and there's shame, then deal with it. And if there's acknowledgements to be made, then make the acknowledgements. But don't make the presumption that God is not trying to inspire you to make something a part of the work that you do with other people within the context of the assumption that it can get done. Mm -hmm. And so that was part of the spiritual energy that eventually carried me to accept a position with the Presbyterian Church working um, as the director for the Center for the Repair of Historic Harms. It's allowing God to make the voices of ancestors present to me in such a practical way that it clarified certain vocational questions for me and certain questions of timing and resources for me. And so I think for the average person, there's always, the activity of the Holy Spirit is always reminding us that something needs your attention. Mm-hmm. And part of our popular culture, unfortunately, comes with an attitude that, oh, it's good for you to be aware of all the things, but don't ever expect any of those things to be solved or to be resolved or to be atoned for. Just kind of have a heavy heart and be a compassionate person who can acknowledge, you know, some of the impossible things. And I think there's a spiritual, there's several spiritual mistakes in that. First of all, I don't think it's the work of the Holy Spirit to simply make us feel bad and guilty about things without there being any way for us to put those emotions into a practical form of action with other people. And so I think it starts with realizing when God puts something on your heart, it means that you're probably supposed to do something about it. I can't say what that something is, you know, for other people, but to trust that God is trying to say something to you that is that is practical and that is serious. And then take it upon yourself to discover socially or technically or economically what it takes for you to follow through on what God is showing you in those particular moments.
0: I don't. I had this image as you were speaking, this work that you're doing and this, this discovery work, even in, in the scholarly world um, is I saw, I saw, I saw your eyes looking into eyes of others, <laughs> you know, in the past um, and in the present too Um, and sort of um, calling, calling to account, you know, and calling you to pay it. I I, I think that spiritual discipline, it gives a whole nother dimension to spiritual discipline of paying attention. There's um, it it calls us towards some intentionality in our faith and life journey. Um, And it feels like, you know, I asked the question, where do we do this? It feels like it probably starts with some of our own work. Um, but it may be, it, it enters into uh, work that you know, we do alongside and with others. I know, um, one of the things that you have said is that, that the work of repair and this sort of work brings people together and transforms enemies into friends. Um, and, uh, I, I can see that I, I, I want to go toward that light. <laughs> um, so keep us moving on that journey. What are some, some of the next steps, you know, that you can take? or some other steps. I know this is, this is probably not linear. <laughs> uh, this is not linear work. It's no, not, well,
1: it's not, it's not a one and done sort of thing. Right, right. I mean, it may be maybe multilinear. I mean, <laughs> I guess processes are important because when we think about things like social change, social justice, and especially the work of repair and reparation, it is important to think about beginning in a particular place naming a problem and also naming a solution and then inviting people into a process where people can move through a sequence of activities that get to a certain goal. And so in that sense, you do need processes and there is something linear about that. But of course, there are multiple lines unfolding at all times. And one of the things that come to mind immediately is the work that we just did in Juneau, Alaska this past month we were required by the General Assembly, thankfully, to give reparations and also give official apologies for the racist way of closing Memorial Presbyterian Church back in 1963. And in the process of that work, we understood that what the Presbyterian Church did it was technically correct, but in terms of relationship, it had a hundred different things wrong with it. And those wrong things continue to reverberate throughout not only the community immediately associated with that church, but the Tlingit and Haida people, broadly speaking, within that region still feel the reverberations of the way that that church was closed. And so the way that we entered into that work was on one hand with a commitment to be obedient to what the General Assembly asked us to do. But then at the same time, we determined to go about that work in such a way that people would be glad, not only that we made the apology and offered the reparations, but that so people would be inspired to accept those reparations and invite us to.
0: Oh no, <laughs> I think we just lost Jermaine right in mid-sentence. Hopefully he'll be able to join us back. Um, this work um, that they've done in Alaska is is groundbreaking. Um, and work at the General Assembly of the Presbyterian Church USA, um, we'll be posting a story about that uh, soon, so you can see that. I want to post on one of the comments just that came in. Um, the work of Reverend Anthony Germain Ross is truly inspiring as he bridges the gap between academia, the pulpit, and the world of social ethics and his efforts to repair historical injustices. It's heartening to see him credit the profound influence of uh, his professor in womanist leadership, and he's back with us. Uh, just sharing a comment, um, giving you praise um, and and the way you credit your mentors. Um, uh, we caught you there mid-sentence, but uh, let me let me let you finish what you were saying. And I'd love for you to say a word about some of the people who've been mentors or continue to be mentors for you,
1: if you have a chance. Sure. I was going there for a while, so I'm not sure <laughs> when you lost me and when i woke up to the fact that i was connected
0: 10 seconds ago so it wasn't very long ago (laughs) um i think you were just inviting us into the multi-layer and multi-linear processes uh, to move forward um in this work of repair and and reparation and justice work so why don't you talk to us about your mentors so you don't have to try to figure out where you were Uh, and the influence they are and continue to be because we're running out of time before you know it. So anything else you'd like to share,
1: Jermaine? Absolutely. (laughs) So I was ordained in the Twin Cities Presbytery just about a year ago, a little bit more than a year ago. And I was very, very fortunate to take my very first call to ministry at Kwanzaa Community Church, which is now known as Liberty Community Church, PCUSA in North Minneapolis. And I worked there under the supervision of the Reverend Doctors Ralph and Alika Galloway, and their leadership and their compassion for the community and their astute theological imaginations really set the tone for or just really set a high bar for what I consider to be community-relevant and theologically faithful ministry in public. And so I owe a great deal of both what I am doing now and what I hope to accomplish in the future to their to their example and to their mentorship. That's beautiful. Um, friends,
0: I hope you get to know uh, and invite and I hope you're open to invitations um, from congregations, presbyteries, groups who are doing this kind of work. Jermaine, are you open to that sort of invitation?
1: Are you Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> My favorite thing is to get an email or a phone call from a congregation eager to engage in this work
0: amen well um and gosh some of these uh presentations and articles resounding terror remembering and recomposing the body black body politic um at lubbock christian university gender race and class toward an understanding of the essential work of historic structures of inequity performing current COVID 19 death rates at union theological seminary um and your and your phd work um, i'm so excited about um trammeled by the bonds of union, uh, the social ecology of extra-legal violence against Afro-Americans from the announcement of emancipation to the Wilmington massacre, 1862 to 1898. Uh, that sounds like um, you're staring in the eyes of some some some, some people who still need justice um, and, and all of us who need to be doing the work to uh, address those injustices. Um, so just so excited. How How is the writing coming? I'll, I, I'm going to ask the PhD students. How is that writing coming?
1: <laughs> it's coming a lot more slowly than I would like at this time.
0: It's <laughs> I it's one of those guys, things where I, I, I can, can see, see the light of light. But it's, it's important work. Um, I was sharing just before the show. I'm from North Carolina and The Wilmington massacre is Wilmington, North Carolina, right? And uh, this is not what was in uh, my history book uh, when I took North Carolina history. So um, I learned about it much later. But um, thank you just so much for who you are, um, Jermaine, the work that you do, that you're leading us in the PCUSA and beyond, um, that you cross, you know, the church, the world, uh, the, the, the academy, um, the pulpit, you're, you're, you're not working in one single place um, and you uh, do this alongside your wife, cherit Ross and, and others. You don't do this alone. Um, just thank That's you right. for the gift and the grant, you know, you started here talking about the groundedness. It is so apparent I, and every time I speak with you we interact, how grounded you are in the spirit and who you are and what you're about and that is a witness that i want you to know i see you and it is good to see you and i know others i'm sure feel feel the same and so thank you for all that work i'd love for you to bless and send us in a moment and any other comments you'd like to make I'd like to invite folks back. I hope you'll get to know another really gifted person that I've just just met, Heina Reichel, who is Hannah Reichel, who's associate professor of reform theology at Princeton. She's just written a a groundbreaking book um, on uh, after method. It's about kind of addressing um, the absolutes beyond absolutes in theological methodologies. Uh, the subtitle of the book is Queer Grace Conceptual D- Design and Posit- the Possibility. We come back to that word of theology. Um, she's a real gift. And then coming uh, in November and then to December, David Lowling, God Provides Enough, and Shannon Kirshner from Central Church in Atlanta on ministry transitions, which she's recently gone through one. And um, I think that'll be important. I hope you'll plan to join us um, and follow us on. Facebook at Theological Education Fund and YouTube or Leading Theologically on a podcast. Please, I'd uh, love for you to subscribe and review the podcast as well. That would be really helpful. i uh, love to hear your your feedback. Um, thanks again, Jermaine and everyone who joined us today, whether live or later. Uh, we'd love to hear from you and know that we, uh, we're grateful for you. Would you bless and send us, Jermaine?
1: Absolutely. Let us pray. Gracious God, we thank you so much for creating us with the capacity to receive from you all of the love and the grace and the creativity that is flowing out from you in your infinite goodness and in your infinite love and in your infinite wisdom. We pray that we will have the creativity and the courage and the compassion and the energy to make this world a place that shows the evidence of your reality everywhere that we go, in our lifetimes and beyond. In Christ's name we pray, amen.
0: Hallelujah, amen, and thanks again. Um, beauty, creativity, truth, possibility. Um, I'm not gonna let go of those, and I'll be thinking <laughs> about that for a long, long time. And, uh, and and blessings on you and your journey and all the places you go. And don't ever hesitate to reach out. Um, and remember you're not alone here in the body of christ and i'm happy to be a little bit closer i'm sure others are too Um, peace be with you peace to everyone thank you so
1: much lee likewise